want you to be reading because what's interesting in particular about this chapter, when you read this, there are so many potential ways that we could go. There's so many topics and discussion ideas, so many things we could preach about. In fact, even this morning, I was rereading the, this chapter in preparation, and there were some things kind of jumping out of the Scripture that were meaningful that I hadn't seen earlier. And I'm thinking, man, isn't that the way God's Word is? It's alive and active, and so we want you to be reading. But for our purpose this morning, we're going to focus on two things, two ideas for our time together. Although I know that the Holy Spirit, He can speak to all of us in a different way, all at the same time, and that's great. But we're going to try to narrow our focus to two ideas, and the first idea is this, the idea of suffering. What do we do with suffering? And why is there suffering in our world? And we're going to leave some time, we've created some time to be, for the Lord to minister to us in that way. The second thing that we're going to look at is our witness. And we've been talking about this over our Gospel of John study. Jesus has stood up and given his testimony. He's called witnesses to bear witness of who he is. And we are called to be witnesses as well, right? And we want to be standing up in all circumstances. And we're going to end our service again, kind of two endings with a, a chance for you to share your testimony. And don't freak out. It's going to be great. It will be easy. We'll, we'll make sure that, that it's very comfortable, comfortable for everyone that's here. But let's look at John chapter 9. I want to give you a summarize the story, look at a few verses, and then we'll circle back and kind of look at some specifics. This is the story, if you haven't read it, which probably most of you haven't, as, as we saw, where Jesus heals a blind man, a, a man that was born blind. And it's the fifth of, uh, of several miracles that are going to be seen in the book of John. And what's great is that after this man is healed, his neighbors are amazed. They look at him and are like, isn't that the guy who used to beg outside of the temple gates, right? And they're saying, we know this guy, right? How did this happen? They ask the man in verse 11. He replies, the man called Jesus, made some mud. He put it in my eyes and he told me to go to Shalom and to wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. That was his testimony. That was his witness. And they said, well, where is this man? And he says, I don't know. What happened is Jesus healed the man. He put the mud in his eye, spit in the ground, right? Put his mud on his eye. And then he turns and he goes and Jesus is off and someone helped this man obviously get to Shalom to wash. And when he sees, Jesus is nowhere to be found. Interesting. So they bring in the Pharisees to investigate this miracle, this healing. The, they get involved and they ask the man, how did this happen? In verse 15, as they say this, therefore, the Pharisees also asked, how did he receive his sight? And he says, look, I, he put mud in my eyes, I washed, and now I see. In verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Remember, we've talked about this before. They're all concerned about Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And again, right in front of them is a miracle. This man is now seeing, but they're concerned more about the Sabbath. Then the story goes on. They bring in the parents of this man and they say, what's going on here? Is this your son? How can he see? And they actually lie to the Pharisees about how he saw. 
They said, he's of age, let him share. The man answers them, and the Pharisees, they, in verse 24, said a second time, they summoned the man, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know that Jesus, he's a sinner. And they're throwing Jesus under the bus. And what does, Jesus, or what does this man say? In verse 25, he replies, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And it's a, the great familiar verse that comes out of this passage. The man continues to testify and increases in boldness, right? And with a little sarcasm, if you're into that, right? We see that in verse 26. Uh, turn, or continue with me. Verse 26. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be one of his disciples too? And I love that, the sarcasm there, I think. And the, 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 they say, uh, they, they respond and they throw insults at him. They're, they're encouraging him in the negative way. They, uh, verse 28, they, threw, uh, they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses, right? We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow Jesus, we don't even know where he came from. And the man stands up again, and he gives them a discourse. He says, the man answers, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. And I'll pause right there for a moment. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was prophesied that the Messiah would open the eyes of the blind, right? The Pharisees of all people should have understood this and known that, but they just missed that completely. He says, he is listen. Uh, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly person uh, who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. There was no healing in the Old Testament that had that as a result. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. They throw him under the bus. How dare you lecture us? And they kicked him out of the temple. And you say, well, is that really that big a deal? Well, it was because that's, that's what his parents were trying to avoid. Uh, it was a big deal because that's where they found community, their friends, their status, all those things. And as you read this, as you understand the story, it's crazy that this man who is healed now, he became a witness to who Jesus was even before he was a true follower of Jesus. Now, by the end of John chapter 9, Jesus finds him. He'd been kicked out. Jesus goes and finds the man. The man puts his faith in Jesus. And in verse 38, it says he believes in him and then he worships him. And that's the story in a nutshell. But I want to come back to the very beginning of the story. What kind of got this story in the scripture was that the disciples were asking Jesus as they're going along. Let's look at verse 1. They went along and they saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples, they asked a question to Jesus regarding this man. Look at it. The disciples asked him, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind you say well where are they getting this idea that maybe his parents sinned and that's why he's blind if you go back to the old testament and the, even in the ten commandments 
Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. There's a section of Scripture that talks about that. It says, The Lord God, I'm a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And so certainly there's an idea that because of the parents, there may be some, uh, some r- ramifications to that. You can also look at even John chapter 5, verse 14. This is a different story where Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And Jesus, it says in verse 14, says, Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. So he was paralyzed. Now he's not paralyzed. He picked up his mat. He went home, right? But then he says something very interesting. He says, Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The idea that if you sinned, that there may be some consequences to that. Very interesting. So what was happening here? That's what the disciples wanted to know. Was it the man who sinned? And actually there was an idea in that time that you could even sin within within the womb of a mother, which I don't believe there's scripture to back that up. Or was it his parents that sinned? And we ask similar questions to that, don't we? Let me try to explain. Today, we all, at times, we will struggle with the same sort of thinking that the disciples had, especially when it comes to pain, when it comes to suffering, when it comes to disappointment, right? You say, why is this happening? Where is God? Have you ever asked questions like that? Or when you've had unanswered prayer, you're saying, God, what is going on? Have you ever been there? I know I have. Things are going well, and then your child gets sick. Or there's a terminal illness in your family. Or there's chronic pain. Or you get fired from a job that you loved. Or you started a business and it went bankrupt. And we're all prone to ask when there's things that happen like that. What did I do? What did I say? What was I thinking? What action caused this to happen? Why do I deserve whatever the outcome that we're facing, right? For me, I was thinking just kind of a silly example. How many have ever missed your devotions? Sounds like some of you missed reading John chapter 9. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? But maybe you miss your devotions one day, and then something bad happens, right? You get in an accident or something like that, and you say, oh, is God punishing me? Am I the only, maybe I'm the only one. All right, okay. <laughs> Have you ever thought that? Things like that, right? When we're disappointed with life or we're experiencing some sort of suffering, how many of us want to connect the dots and figure out the reason, right? Well, first of all, I want to kind of address that the idea of suffering, sin, sickness, all of those things, they have a root in one thing, and we're all uh, condemned by it. And we see that in Romans chapter 5. Turn with me there. Any suffering, any pain, any sickness, according to Romans chapter 5, the, the root cause is sin let's look at it It says therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in the way death came to all people it because it was because all had sinned the idea here is that it's because adam and eve right from the very beginning 
And I like the guy that said, you know, if Adam and Eve didn't sin, I would have been the one that did it, right? (laughs) And that's probably the truth. But the idea here in that whole section there is that death came through Adam and Eve, right? And life, though, comes from Christ. But when Jesus was asked in this story back in John chapter 9, who was it that sinned? Let's look at the answer. It surprised the disciples, that's for sure. It says, neither is this man nor his parents, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed to him. So let's pause here for a second. We understand that we live in a sin-filled world and, and we're all cursed because of that in a way. There are times that the sins of parents, the iniquities or the propensity to sin is passed on from generation to generation. We understand that from Scripture, although how many know we can break that curse and we are covered with the blood of Jesus, amen, right? We also understand that sometimes we are punished for our own sin. There are consequences. But in this story, John 9, we better be careful that something bigger was happening Something bigger was at work. And in some cases, you cannot look to the the past iniquity to connect with the current cause. This man was walking for generations, for, for decades, with blindness for a greater purpose. God was at work. He was going to use a physical ailment to bring a spiritual truth. Turn, with, turn back with me just a couple pages to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 29. Listen to what it says. Jesus answered, the works of God, that's what we're talking about, what's happening here, what is God doing, is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And you fast forward to this, this uh, story, right? This story has caused people to believe in Jesus This is one of many where people can look and say, all right, I know who Jesus is. I would say billions of people over 2,000 years have believed because of stories like this. It was not bad luck. It was not just senseless. There was something deeper going on. And that brings me to the first takeaway, that when suffering is happening in our lives, there is a purpose of God. The purpose of God is revealed even through suffering. The world would say, ah, it's just random, but we know that we serve a sovereign God. That means that He is in control of all things. There's nothing that He is not aware of. There's nothing that He doesn't allow. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, I love what it says. It says that we know that all things... In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And I would just say, are we the type of people that live this way, with this understanding? Because the world is watching, and when you are faced with suffering of any kind, what do they see? Do you believe this, that all things work together for the good of those who love and are called according to His purpose? I hope so. See, the purpose of God is revealed through suffering, but also the purpose of God or the person 
of Christ is also revealed. You say, well, what are you talking about? In this story, what, what do we see? Who is Jesus in this story? First of all, we see him as the healer, right? He's the healer. He heals the man. Actually, first of all, we see him as a teacher. He's teaching his disciples, then the healer. Matthew chapter 12, verse 8 says that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, right? And so we see Jesus healing on the Sabbath. He works on the Sabbath, and so that's related to his identity. But by the end of this story, we also see Jesus as the Savior, Savior and Lord. And so the purpose of God is revealed. The person of Christ is revealed in suffering. But there's a third thing. Suffering reveals a path to strong faith. A proclamation of truth is seen in this story. And what is faith? It's the things hoped for, right? The evidence of things not seen, right? We understand that. Well, in Romans chapter 5, we can look at this verse, verse 3 and 4. It says this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. You say, why is there suffering? It's to build faith. It's because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. That's where that faith comes in, right? So what is that all about? When you look at the story in John chapter 9, three-fourths of that story is a progression of faith being clarified and being strengthened in this man. In verses 8 through 12, He's talking with his neighbors, and the man identifies that Jesus is a man. He says, that man named Jesus. In verses 13 through 17, when the Pharisees came around and said, who is this that healed you? He describes Jesus now as a prophet. His faith is building. In Verses 18 through 23, his parents carry on the scene. His faith continues to build. Verse 24 through 25, the Pharisees again kind of approach him, and he says, I was blind, but now I see. Each time that he said his story, he actually shortened it. If they came one more time, he'd probably just say, blind, see, right? I mean, that's probably what he would have said. In verse 33, his revelation of God is coming even full circle. He says he is from God very clearly. And by verse 38, he believes and then worships Jesus. Church, suffering can build our faith. And ultimately, it should point us back to Jesus to worship him for who he is. So let's think about it, our own lives what you might be facing or what I might be facing. Where do we see suffering? In our health, in our family's health, maybe in our workplace we see suffering, maybe at school for those of you that are still students, or maybe as you're raising your kids, there's some trouble in attitudes or in actions. Could it be that the purpose and the person of Jesus is being revealed in your circumstances? And could it be that Jesus is being revealed in, through your life? So think about it. Where are you suffering? What kind of trial are you up against? Do you need provision in your life? Is your marriage on the rocks? Are you uh, struggling with your kids, like I mentioned, in your business? Whatever the case, in everything, we can see Jesus at work 
if we have the right perspective. But it's hard to live with that kind of perspective, isn't it? I'll be the first to admit it. I put in my notes here and I got permission to kind of share this. Appreciate that. This week, it kind of hit home. There was a guy in our church that, and I won't share his name, but he, he sent me an email and it was, kind of, it was a, kind of encouraging, but then he had some things that he wrote that were very troubling to me. He wrote and he's struggling with a, a family member that, is, that has cancer and that his prayers aren't good enough. He says, I'm finding myself hardly qualified for that responsibility. And so I'm thinking, okay, none of us are qualified, right? It's up to Jesus. He goes on, he says, I am, I am not spirit-filled enough to stand up against the demonic scene that I'm witnessing. I'm saying, wait a second, when you get Jesus, you get all of Jesus, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right to the top, right? So we, and, and then he goes on, he says, when, when you pray for healing and you see the suffering going on to this extent, uh, the thought came to me that I was ashamed to be a Christian. And I'm thinking, okay. So I bring him in. I'm saying, look, you are enough, right? Uh, it's not your responsibility. And by the way, um, you don't have to defend Jesus. He can take care of himself. Am I right? He can stand on his own. And he says, I'm starting to lose hope. And we, there, the room filled with hope as we kind of shared some different perspective. And I was grateful for that. But it kind of hit the, the rubber, hit the road. I wasn't even going to talk about suffering until that kind of emerged. I'm saying, okay, where in our lives are we suffering? Where do, can we look and say, God, where are you at work in my life? And I just would declare that God is at work in your life no matter what you're facing no matter what the trial is, and he's working in our church the same way. But the question is, can you see it? Do you need a different perspective? And I'm going to ask the worship team if they could come and kind of set our hearts before the Lord. There's a song that we used to sing a lot. We haven't sang it in a while. But as I was preparing, I'm saying, boy, this song really captures the idea of, of who Jesus is and and how we can stand on him. He's the rock. He's the cornerstone of our faith, right? And what I'd like to, to do is kind of prepare our hearts and just kind of search our own hearts and say, where are we suffering today? Where do we need a fresh Holy Spirit perspective? And I'm just curious this morning, if there are those here that would be honest to say, you know, today I need that kind of fresh perspective for what I'm facing. Whatever the trouble might be, finances, relationships, healing, uh, ailments, whatever the case might be, work-related, friends-related, where are you disappointed and you're wondering where is God? If you're in that situation, you're saying, boy, I could use a fresh perspective. I'm just going to ask you to be so bold as we kind of prepare to, to close this section. Just I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. Is, that, is there anyone here that would say, man, that's, I need that kind of fresh Holy Spirit perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Yep right yeah 
I know it takes a lot of courage to think, okay, maybe I haven't been seeing it the way I should. Or maybe the fog has been blurring your vision. But I believe that the fog is going to lift and God is going to help you to see His purpose at work in your life. You're going to see Jesus Christ Himself being revealed in your story. And along the way, just like this man, his faith was increased. It got stronger and stronger as he stood up and witnessed. I believe that there's going to be a lot of strength. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And for those that are standing, if you want, as we just prepare our hearts to kind of give this to the Lord, you may want to slip out and come to the altar. We certainly would make that available. But Pastor Bobby and the team, would you lead us this morning? as we set our hearts before the Lord and deal first with this idea of suffering. Let's respond as the Lord leads you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You know, a song like that can make the difference when things are tough, you know? I just want to encourage you that the words of this song just describe Jesus as the rock. immovable, strong, able to meet your need, no matter what you're facing. And I know a lot of your stories, but there's a lot of stories that I don't know. In reality, there are things we all at times say, God, why is this happening, right? We need to change our perspective, I think, sometimes. And for those that responded, those that are still in your seats, I want to pray a prayer blessing over you, that God would indeed reveal his purpose, that Jesus Christ himself would be revealed in your story, and that your faith would be strong through it all. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, God, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. We know that you know the hairs on our head And God, you know the intricate details of what we are facing. And for those that are facing disappointment, suffering, pain in some way, God, I pray first of all that you would just move in those circumstances by your mighty hand. Lord, that you would do a miracle, that you would heal in Jesus' name. You would restore in Jesus' name. God, that you would create a movement When things are stuck, God, I pray. But Lord, when you choose not to answer in the way that we think you should, God, I pray that we would see your purpose revealed and that we would see you, Jesus, in the midst of it, in the midst of the storm. And God, that our faith would not be diminished, but it would be ever-growing. God, I just pray that for each and every one that's here. From the front to the back, God, that you would meet us. That we'd answer the question, how is God at work? And where it's obvious, we certainly would point. But even when it's not obvious, God, that you would help give us a clear, fresh perspective. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Do you believe God can do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. God is at work.
your need according to his riches and glory. He knows right where you are. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful that we serve a God like that. I'm going to ask that you return to your seats and be seated, and I'm going to ask Rachel to come and Sam to join me, a couple of our students. You're thinking, hey, you've been talking about suffering, but you didn't really talk about that second part, the witness, our witness, right? Well, that's where I want to kind of move now. And I know it's another fresh perspective. This story teaches us to stand up to stand on who Jesus is, to stand on our story. This story is a story of physical blindness, but then there's this, it's really, that is a picture of spiritual blindness, and that spiritual blindness is a metaphor of spiritually being ignorant or being in darkness or corruption or an inability to see the, or to know the truth. So that's what spiritual blindness is. And you know what the Bible says? That we are all were spiritually blind until Jesus revealed himself, right? And in this story, the man born blind, he received his sight, right? The light goes on and he relays his experience. He refuses to be intimidated. He's rejected, but he still stands, right? And he responds to Jesus. And, it's a, and that's the, the story. We see his testimony kind of unfolded, Right? What was his life like before? He was blind. Everyone say he was blind. blind. How is, and when did he find Christ? We see that. He gets mud in his eyes. He finds Christ. Jesus finds him, right? And then what was his life like after, right? Spiritual sight. We don't know the rest of the story there. But we know that in our lives that we can see light in our stories. The man's story ends with him falling on his knees, which is the direct opposite of what happened to the Pharisees. You guys are wondering, am I ever going to get to you, right? I know that's what you're thinking. Just a chapter before, the Pharisees had a similar revelation of Jesus. What do they do? They get down, pick up rocks, and they're ready to stone Jesus. But this man, he surrenders. And his story is forever changed, I believe. And so the question this morning is, what is your story? What are you going to stand on? And in our youth group, I love Pastor Pete. He's doing such a good job. Just came through a series talking, a series on grow, right? That we want our students to be growing in the Lord. And part of that was to share their story. And they had a, a week where they talked about the power of their voice, the power of their story to reach each one being reaching one, right? It was a month. It was a month. You, you did a whole month on it. And, uh, and my daughter and my son were part of that, so I saw that. They put a video together. It was pretty cool, and we're not going to show the video. But some of the students were asked at that time to share their story. And I've been sharing with you that we're collaborating on a weekly basis to put these messages together. And I appreciate Pastor uh, uh, Pete and Pastor Bobby and Bonnie and, and others that are speaking into these things. How many know we're better together, right? Absolutely. Talked about that at the annual business meeting. But anyway, Pastor Pete said, hey, we just had some, some of our kids sharing, and uh, would you want them to give a testimony? So we're going to do that, and then we're going to give you an opportunity. But don't freak out. It'll be easy. So Sam, why don't you share first what the Lord has done in your life? And you did a great job first service. He's uh, double duty, and then Rachel's new. So go ahead.
All right, so I'm Sam. If you don't know me, I'm a senior in high school. Um, my story kind of starts out uh, with I well, when I was from day one, I've been growing up in the church. My family always took me to church. It was just kind of a thing that I did every week. But then I kind of I made the choice to um, have Jesus in my heart and follow God when I was about four or five at a vacation Bible school, and I was r pretty young then. So I um, I've rededicated since to when I was more competent, but. Um, so yeah, I've just been living for Jesus pretty much my whole life, and then last, this summer, um, we took a missions trip to Detroit, um, some of us in the youth, and then I went kind of, um, expecting to help the city out, um, being more of a servant, but then I was, unex what I was unexpected about was because we got a lot in return, the people that went there, so we would have, um, services every night. And one of the services was really emotional time. The Holy Spirit was flowing. Um, it was really evident. And um, I was praying with one of the leaders that was here earlier today. But I was praying, um, just kind of seeking the Lord, what do you have for my life? And at that point in my life, I had, I had my own plan of what I wanted to do. Um, it just was kind of easy, sounded good. But then God told me that night that... Um, that he had his, a different plan for me that didn't um, match up with what I thought I was gonna do for the rest of my life. So that was really hard for me to take because um, I had kind of like abandoned what I thought I was gonna do. And, but ever since then, it's just been really good. I've just been um, making my choices based on what he wants for me and it's been really good to follow him like that. Awesome, great, great testimony. You shared si kind of a similar, similar testimony first service and I was thinking after, I had a similar thing in high school. I thought for sure I was going to be an architect. And I was in all the CAD classes drafting. And I had in my mind that I was going to make six figures by the time I was 23. And I still haven't made six figures yet. <laughs> but I'm not saying that that's your lot. But, uh, um, but I'm excited for your future, whatever that, that holds. Awesome. And thanks for sharing that. That's great. Rachel, I have no idea what you're going to say. I'm excited to hear. All right. Well, I'm Rachel. You didn't know that. I'm a sophomore in high school. And so my story kind of starts off when I was at a young age. I started going to church with the Wiggins because they're my neighbors and they would bring me along. And so at first it was just fun, you know, in kids' church, singing the songs, doing the dances, playing around. And you just had a fun time, so then you would keep going. And then I remember uh, still a young age, maybe like 9 or 10, uh, Monica Wiggin asked me if I wanted to say the sinner's prayer with her and give my life to God. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, ooh. And so I did that, and then, you know, it was great. Still just going to church and stuff. And then it was last year I went to a summer camp, and the guy there asked us a question. Uh, he asked us, do you just comply to get by, like, in life? And I was just, like, kind of just like, whoa. Like, is that what I'm doing? Do I just go to church? I just say I'm a Christian, but do I really live the life of, like, that God wants me to? And am I really actually fulfilling what Christians do and, like, do, taking the extra step to be a good person and just live the life that God has called me to? And so that hit me hard, and it was that night. It was just me and God, and I gave my life to him, and it was, you know, one of the best decisions I've ever made, obviously. And it's just been going pretty good from there. And I really don't know what I want to do with my life yet, but I know that God has a really amazing plan for me, and I'm just really looking forward to finding out what that is. Amen. Great. Awesome. Awesome. 
And one after the next did that, kind of stood up and shared at one of the uh, Sunday nights. And, and I, I just want to say thank you, Sam. Thank you, Rachel, for sharing. And uh, it takes a lot of courage to get up and to say what God has put on your heart and to share your testimony. What was your life like before, right? When and how did you find Christ? And what's different now? That's what your testimony is. And it should be on our tongue. You can head back. I know we're going to be um, singing some more. And uh, thank you, Rachel. Let's give them one more hand. Awesome. Pastor Bobby sent me a text yesterday. And uh, yesterday. And um, he said, hey, he knew what we were going to be doing. And uh, he said, you know, I was thinking about this. And he said, it's one thing to share the testimony within the four walls of the church. In the story, the Pharisees would not have needed the testimony of the man if they were there when Jesus healed him, right? And you said it better. You go ahead, kind of explain what you're saying. Pretty much what I said. So, um, yeah, uh, part of being a witness is telling your story to people who aren't witnesses to the event. Um, I kind of said it preaching to the choir, you know, we're, you're, you're a witness to share the story and to describe what happened to people who don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's one thing to share it to people who, who know Jesus, who've experienced Jesus, but that's not the intention of being a witness. The intention of being a witness is to explain what happened to someone who hasn't experienced it themselves. See? Better. And so... <laughs> I like that. I didn't make it, didn't make my notes, but I wanted to share that because when we leave here today, my hope is that what we're about to do will be on the forefront of your mind and your tongue will be released to share your story. So this is what we're going to do. There's three components to a testimony. What was your life like before? So I want you to just kind of start thinking about it. What was your life like before you found Christ? You may be here and you haven't found Christ. So you can talk about your journey of exploration or figuring out who Jesus is, right? And if you're on that journey, uh, you'll be able to share and participate as well. Then the next question is, when and how did you find Christ? Think back. When did you find Christ? And, uh, and we're going to share that. And then the third is, what is your life like now? What's different? And what we're going to do is I'm going to have everybody stand. Let's go ahead and do that. And we're going to take 20 seconds on each of these. And then we're going to let someone else go 20 seconds. And then we'll go to the next one. So we're going to start with what was your life like before. And we're going to give you just a second here. We want to make sure everybody is one-on-one, one-on-three on three at the very most. But really, one-on-one on one is better. So you may need to get out of your chairs, turn to somebody. We're going to just partner up all across here. Let's do that. And so let's just move and let's make sure that everybody has somebody to share with. All right. So let's go ahead and do that. And uh, let's go ahead and let, make sure um, that everybody is with somebody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, a song like that, like I said, can make all the difference. And what we've just participated in, I pray, will be quick on your mind. There will be opportunities even today to share. And you've already shared once. Let's take the chance again outside of these four walls. Because inside these four walls, it's fun and it's encouraging. 
But just think of the life transformation that could happen through your story. In your work this Monday, when you get to work, be mindful of this idea of the blind man standing up and over and over giving his testimony. This week at school, in your classrooms, share your story. Later this weekend, when your family and friends get together for the party that you're planning, let your story be told and let it be rooted in the rock of our salvation. Amen? Amen. Now, I know a bunch of you want to continue your story and uh, finish your story, and so we're going to give you that opportunity, but let me just pray a prayer of benediction, and then we can continue to share before we go. Lord, I pray now that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. Bring us back again to worship you together. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God, and continue to share your story. Amen.